0: M-A. Main,
1: menu.
2: Main, menu. main menu. Main menu.
3: Main menu, main menu.
0: Welcome to main menu for March 13, 2010. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week we start out with a short technology roundup. Next, Anna Dresner talks to us about her newest book, Social Networking and You. After that, we visit with Dr. Robert Carter about the life of George Byes. Next, Tim Cummings talks to us about Levelator, a program for automatically adjusting volumes in audio files. Finally, we visit with Harry Brown, who says that in the future, it might actually be possible for blind people to drive a car. Does that pique your interest? That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. And indeed, welcome to this edition of Main Menu. I'm glad to have you aboard. A couple of weeks ago, we did a feature on the Bookport Plus, which was to be eminently released by the American Printing House for the Blind. And in fact, that product has been released as of this week. The introductory price is $299, and that's good until at least September 30th. I've read a couple of uh, different uh, posts on that one indicating that perhaps it would extend longer than that, but the announcement on the Bookport Plus mailing list certainly indicates that at least until September 30th that $299 price tag is good. So that is the least expensive of these products, these book readers, that has been released up to this point. So you can go to aph.org slash tech and click on the Bookport Plus link. You can join a mailing list, you can read the documentation, and you can actually purchase the product online at this point in time. Also, the National Federation of the Blind announces that Newsline can now be downloaded to the Bookport Plus and the Book Sense. So that just continues to add to the products that you can read newspapers on from NFB. For those of us in the United States, this is the weekend that we move our clocks forward for Daylight Saving Time. And that actually does affect Main Menu, because our times for Main Menu, and in fact for all ACB radio broadcasting, our times are based on UTC, universal time. So that means that starting next Friday night in the United States, Main Menu will air at 9 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, or 8 o'clock Central Daylight Time. And of course, you can do your own time conversions as needed here in the US. So remember that, you'll need to move I guess forward however you want to say that an hour to actually listen to main menu but of course you can always download the archive that's always available to you. I'll remind you that we are in the iTunes store uh, we continue to improve our podcast feed. We've had some issues with other podcast receivers having trouble downloading the content and apparently those have been fixed so that is really good news again our thanks to Shane Dittmar our web master here at Main Menu. He's doing a great job. Leading us into our first story of the evening, National Braille Press has announced the availability of a new book by Anna Dresner entitled Social Networking and You. You can always find that material at nbp.org or you can go to braille.com, which is a really easy site to remember, and you can purchase the book in various formats. Um, I actually was able to preview a Daisy version of the textbook, which interestingly enough is recorded with the Alex voice from the Mac, from VoiceOver on the Mac. And Alex does a fine job of reading that book. Before we actually get into the interview, I'll just make a few brief comments about the book. I'll tell you that for a reference book, this is extremely pleasant reading. Anna manages, in her usual style, to take something that should be kind of dry, a little bit uh, to the point, but not really interesting, and make it warm, funny, witty, and really gives you a sense that she is learning as she goes, and that she is then able to impart her knowledge to you, the reader in a way that, quite frankly, not many people can. I really can't think of very many people in this industry that are doing exactly what Anna is doing. So no secret there that I am a fan of, of her work. And so with that said, let's get right into our interview with Anna Dresner. So what prompted you to begin this uh, particular book?
4: Um, my boss said, you know, we really should do a book on social networking sites.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason to start right there.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I've certainly heard about them for a long time, but I already spent more time on the computer than I really wanted to, and so it really had not been something I had that much interest in pursuing, but yeah, you know, if your boss suggests such a thing, then you pursue it.
0: Exactly. So, uh, what networking sites uh, do you cover?
4: Uh, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.
0: Okay. Now, I'm obviously familiar with Twitter and Facebook. I'm not familiar with LinkedIn, so why don't you first start by telling us what that is?
4: Well, it's another social networking site, but its primary focus is professional connections. The reason that I included it is that a lot of people use it um, if they're trying to find a job or they're trying to find... People to help them get a job done or one of its features for instance is the ability to recommend people so if you have someone you're connected with on LinkedIn that you worked with and they really encourage you to connect with people that you at least have some connection with you can write a recommendation saying you know in this I've worked with this person or they were my student or they provided a service to me and they did a really good job or whatever so it's also a place that people can go for resources to find out, you know, who might be a good person to fill a particular need that they have. And since people are always looking for work, it seemed like, you know, an important site to include where the other two are more, you know, tend to be more social. Although, of course, they do have their career aspects as well.
0: I take it then that LinkedIn is, is quite accessible. I know that with this book that you um, definitely cover all screen readers, including voiceover.
4: Yeah, I thought that was really important Um, since we have people, more people using the Mac all the time and uh, since access on the Mac is getting pretty good, it seemed very important to include that. It's reasonably accessible. Um, One striking thing to me was that there was no CAPTCHA involved in signing up, Wow! so uh, that was very convenient. There's definitely quirks with all of these sites, I found myself using the refresh feature you know, to redraw the screen a lot more than, well I shouldn't say with all of them, with Facebook and LinkedIn. I certainly find myself doing that a lot more than I do with other applications because things will change. For instance, if you type in your company name where it asks for that because you have to fill out a profile with your work experience and school and stuff. And If you type in your company name and then you move down the page, a little thing will pop up if assuming it's listed at all saying, what company it is, how many employees roughly, you know, little bits of information like that pop up where the screen will get updated in one way or another. And so refreshing the screen is certainly something you have to do pretty often. But I was certainly able to fill out my profile and whatnot. I haven't used the site all that much since the book, but I mean, I I can go in there and find out who's connected to whom and, you know, read stuff about them. So yeah, it works pretty well.
0: There's been a real kind of a love-hate relationship with Facebook, it seems like with the blind community. I know, at least for me personally. Can you talk about what, uh, because there are different versions of Facebook, there's Facebook and Facebook Lite, Facebook Mobile, what has been your experience with the different versions of that uh, network?
4: There, Yeah, the three versions can be confusing, and one thing I do in the book is go through all three of them and talk about their advantages and disadvantages um, so that Hopefully, people can use the one that that will meet their particular need at the time. Like, I think the main site has some advantages in that you can see everything all at one place without having to go off and click a million links to see, you know, to go to one place to see people's links and somewhere else to see their posts and somewhere else to see whatever else, their photos or whatever. You know, that's kind of nice and the fact that there's a heading before each Post is kind of nice for navigation but then on the other hand sometimes there's real problems on that site it seems like with the screen not refreshing or not letting you type in status messages or if you're trying to write the first comment you know that doesn't seem to work very well Facebook mobile is really easy to write stuff but you do have to constantly click things to find out different bits of information I end up using the light site the most because it seems like a pretty good compromise It has you know the people's links and their posts on one page and what I do is use the list item command because it all shows up as a list and each post is an item and so then the next item command or on the Mac which doesn't have the next item command they all start with graphics so going to the next graphic will work although you also have a little more work to do there because sometimes if people have photos and stuff those also count as graphics and so You know, you might have to hit next graphic more times. So I prefer the next item approach. But it does, you know, at least there are ways to do it that are reasonably efficient. And writing posts and whatnot on there is pretty straightforward. So I tend to use Facebook Lite most of the time.
0: Probably of the three sites that you mentioned, our listeners, the majority will probably be the most familiar with Twitter. Uh, What applications um, are you using to access Twitter right now?
4: Uh, Well, I was using Syrinx quite a lot on the Mac. I really like Syrinx but it doesn't, at least last time I checked, it didn't have multiple account support and at the moment I have two accounts because I have a personal one and then I have one for my radio show because I do a children's radio show on the legend and um, so I wanted something that would do both. So I've been using Quitter because the beta can handle multiple accounts and it works really well. Basically what I do in the book is kind of go through each of these sites and talk a little bit about you know what people might use them for and then go through and, and talk about how to sign up and how to get around the site a little bit and then just you know what kinds of things can you do and how can you do them. Now I don't get as specific as might be ideal because these sites change all the time.
0: Exactly.
4: So there's an awful lot of this is how it works today. Um, and this is the sort of strategies that I'm using to navigate these things. Because I assume that the basic structures of the site will probably stay more or less the same. But getting to them may may differ over time. Um, and so I don't want people to get too locked into doing something a certain way. Because like when I first started using Facebook, you could hit, you could hit one you know, to move to the first heading on the page. And you were right at the point where the real content started. And then they removed that heading. Mm. So, you know, and they've changed over the whole course of writing the book. So, you know, it's not going to tell you step by step how to do every single thing because those things change. But I'm hoping that by saying, well, you know, there's, know, there's chat and this is what chat is and there's, you know, writing a status message. That's what a status message is. And this is more or less where it is now on the screen and how to do it. You know, I'm just hoping to get people enough information to get going. Very good, you know, I
0: was thinking as you were talking, sometimes I think uh, blind people and maybe not just blind people, but I've certainly seen this in our, our community uh, kind of sometimes people will take the approach there's enough free stuff. why should I actually buy something? you know but when you, as you're talking, I'm thinking about uh, podcasts that people do, and even this show, we take a snapshot of what we you know might see in a program at the time that we decide to demo it or to review it. And I think that's a whole different approach than what you do in your writing in that you actually take the time to really step back, take a hard look at the product, look at the big picture because you have to create something that really is going to stand the test of time.
4: Yeah, it's true. The focus has to be a little different. It has to be structural in a way that you know a podcast is more function at this moment. Yeah. With the understanding that next week there will be another one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or or at least next month. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of a fundamentals approach. Um, And hopefully, you know, and then the podcasts are a really good supplement. So, like at the back of the book, I do talk about sources for learning more because obviously this is just a starting point. Sure. And, um, And so I mentioned things like Main Menu and Blind Cool Tech and some other ones where, you know, if you if the site's not working the way you expect it to, and you want more information, where could you go look for it? I think the two really complement each other very well.
0: I agree. Plus, I mean, the way that you I and mean, you've done this enough now, you have enough books that you've written. Uh, I mean, there are you know I still go back to your latest. Um, I tend to call it an iTunes book. I know it's about using you know iPods, but there's so much iTunes content, and I use my Nano and my well my wife's iPod touch I don't guess you you haven't covered that in a book yet but I find myself going back to your books and uh, you know after I've devoured them from cover to cover there's always going to be times when you want to know how do you do such and such and and your books are well written so that you can go back and actually uh, pull out that pertinent piece of information
4: well I appreciate that I certainly try to make them um, you know clear and mark things up with headings and stuff so you can find stuff And I always am doing whatever I'm writing about, I'm always going through the steps at the same time that I'm writing it. You know, I'm literally, you know, so I'll be flipping back and forth between Facebook and Word and, you know, writing down and then you do this and that and so that it's based on real experience so that hopefully I'm not leaving out too many basic (laughs) bits of information that people need.
0: So do you feel that these sites that you have mentioned, do they kind of level the playing field for blind people as far as uh, being able to really network and, and maybe even find employment, that sort of thing?
4: Well, I certainly think they help, sure, because for one thing, you don't, your, your blindness is not going to be all that obvious. I mean, it's all, only only as obvious as you choose to make it while you're looking around. And of course, geography is no longer an issue. Um you know, I think it probably helps to have some sighted assistance when you're getting started, especially if you're planning to use it professionally, just to make sure that your profile looks good and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, so much of it can be done. You know, you can do yourself um, just at your computer, and that's really quite powerful, I think.
0: Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we, uh, we wrap up?
4: Stay tuned. I'm working on an iPod update. It's going to be... Um using the accessible iPod, the iTunes 9 edition, and um, after that, an iPhone book. So
0: wonderful, excellent. That's that's great. Yeah, um, iTunes has been quite uh, quite a roller coaster. We've talked about that before, but I think things are looking a little better. Don't don't you?
4: Yeah, I certainly um, well certainly access is much better to the iTunes Store now than it was when the iTunes 9 first came out, uh, and that's very good. Yeah, I do think. No, I, I do think overall they want to do the right thing. Sure. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, that's that's very helpful. And, um, you yeah, know, it's great that, that the store is working better and iTunes itself. I mean, you know, I guess it's kind of a problem in that you have to have the latest version of all the screen readers to get it to really work well. But, you know, I guess that's kind of inevitable, though, that things change. And
0: I think we're going to see that more and more. I really do. I mean, I, th- I think things are changing so rapidly. I mean, you know, hey, I'm still using Windows XP, but I, I know that that's not going to be able to work forever. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the more things uh, dev- evolve and, and change and probably um, the more, you know, we get into the whole cloud computing thing, I mean... I think we're going to have to update our internet browsers more, and, and probably our screen readers a little more uh, diligently as well.
4: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: Well, I'd like to thank you for coming on Main Menu. It's been a pleasure talking with you.
4: Well, you too. Thanks for having me.
0: Main Menu Last week, we learned the sad news of the passing of George Byes. I hadn't had the opportunity to visit with George very many times, but I was familiar with him from a site called Audio Tips, and that was my first introduction into being able to voice chat with other blind people. George was also the founder of Talking Communities, among many other things. When I learned of his passing, I knew that we needed to cover this on Main Menu because of the contributions he has made to the blind community. I wasn't sure who to visit with. In reading Twitter, I came across a post by Dr. Robert Carter stating that he had known George for at least 10 years. Having visited with Robert many times and really enjoying talking to him, I knew that Robert was the person I would like to visit with about George, and Robert was very gracious to join me on Main Menu to discuss George's life. Here's that interview. Well, this week on Main Menu, I'm visiting with Dr. Robert Carter, and he's no stranger to Main Menu. But uh, this week, we're going to visit about the life of George Buys, who is, among other things, was the founder
1: of uh, Talking Communities. And, Robert, how did you know George? When you asked me uh, to talk a little bit about it, I started trying to remember the details, and I first got to know George, I don't even know how long ago, I'm guessing 10, 12 years ago, I don't know, something like that, Um, when he started a a, a little community back then, an online community called Audio Tips, and um, I guess that was a precursor to talking communities, but I started uh, communicating with George and talking with him about the idea of online training and really it was a pretty exciting concept at the time he had already had the idea of setting up a community where people could gather in an online uh, chat room if you will and use voice chat to communicate and uh, at that point was working with uh, a woman who's who's still uh, doing great things with access technology named Kathy Ann Murtha and uh, he and uh, Kathy Ann had developed some, uh, were starting to develop some online training uh, courses and, and so I spent a lot of time um, working with them in that area and participated in some of uh, Kathy Anne's uh, courses as as a student and uh, uh, worked a lot with with George in uh, several different aspects during that time but realized that, that that this man was was special that he was a real uh, creative and innovative and uh, was doing things that that um, none of us had really thought of or seen before um, and he had a way of finding people who could help him take these dreams that he had and turn them into uh, realities that we all came to really appreciate like audio tips and talking communities and, and, and things like that so that, that that's really, um, really how I got to know George and I, and I put him on my um, instant messenger uh, list, and I- I'm telling you, you know, the list the, the list of names just seems wrong now. It seems empty now without George's name there, because uh, he's been on my instant messenger list. I would see his name, see him signed in. Uh, I- I'm sure it's been more than 10 years.
0: I had a few opportunities to visit with George. Not very many, but uh, I believe Audio Tips was where I uh, came into contact with him and one of the things that I remember from just those very few occasions was that it was very obvious that he really cared about people you could sense that immediately
1: well he really did and um, you know I think that's one of the things that I uh, that attracted me to George and it's, it, it's kind of funny I, I I sort of laugh about it but he really came to care about me and he was very um, open with that. I think he, you know, it really um, for, for for whatever reason, it really impressed him that um, you know, I, I had gone through school and completed a PhD and, and the work that I uh, do in, in my other life um, outside of computer technology really impressed George and he knew a lot about um, uh, psychology and had had been through uh, various uh, programs and uh, various types of treatment himself and so um, you know we connected in, in that way as well but uh, just uh, he, you know he, I, I, I talked to him uh, I guess maybe it was I don't know it hadn't been that long maybe two or three weeks ago um, and um, you know, he he was always just so happy to to talk to me, and, and you know, not not, not be not, not about it's not about me that I'm saying it. It's about him. It's about it's about the kind of person that he was. A really special person. Yeah. So, I mean,
0: what are some things do you think we can thank him for as far as the things that we do today on a regular basis as blind people?
1: Well, you know, um, the the whole idea behind a lot of what George did really was promoting people getting out and making something of themselves and advocating for themselves and gathering uh, to formulate ideas and move. Things move uh, technology and and really move things forward that people could grab onto and make use of and better their lives and better themselves and I, I mean George never um, gave up on that idea he 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 dreamed big and um, you know some some of his dreams didn't come true the the training the online training you know certainly has been useful and successful but it it, it it didn't take off in some ways to, to, to the level that George uh, I think would like to have seen it uh, take off but but he never he never quit he never gave up he never got at times you know there would be um, disagreements and people, uh... becoming frustrated with this or that or, or and, and george never he, he always just kinda rose above that you know he just sort of laugh and say well people will be people and we're gonna keep we're gonna keep moving forward and so this, this spirit of of george buys is something that i certainly have a little bit of it rubbed off on me and i think rubbed off on a lot of people and I'm not sure we would have these um, these things uh, like uh, main menu and and um, you know the kinds of discussions that that take place on system access and in various places. I'm not sure that that, that they would have the same energy or the same quality to them in some ways. If it wasn't for that. Uh, Influence of George buys, and I mean, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm sounding a, a little dramatic, but but honestly, I think that uh, that we can thank him as much as anything for his for his spirit, you know, for for just being George and and letting us have a little bit of that. It's amazing how one person really
0: can be that influential, and it, you know, I think sometimes we think, well, that's you know, that's George or that's someone else that we really uh, look up to, but. You know i I mean he was just he was a person, and he had a passion, and I mean that kind of probably should encourage all of us to strive for whatever it is that we really believe
1: in, yeah, he was a guy who didn't waver from going for what he believed in, and when one way of getting there didn't work out because uh the the, the software couldn't do it or because maybe uh the, the that particular developer. Uh, quit or whatever, uh, you know that didn't that didn't stop George from from moving forward. And and I mean his own his own uh, health, uh, you know, and his own life circumstances didn't didn't hold him back. And I don't know what more uh, we could ask for, really, f- if if we want um, a, a role model or want someone to to look up to, because George sure I- embodied all that courage and strength that that we all need if we're going to move forward and better our lives and better other people's lives. You know, George was a very giving person. I remember um, when uh, Blind Cool Tech uh, the the website that most everyone's heard of by now was just getting started and uh, there were there were a lot of people excited about all the podcasts that Larry was doing but people begin to say well you know on, on the mailing list well c- couldn't we I uh, c- wish we could get together and chat and so um, I went to George and I said you know George what what would it cost uh, me or, or or Larry or Blind Cool Tech to, to set up a, a Talking Communities chat room um, so that people can get together and chat and George said well it, 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 won't, it won't cost you anything the only thing I ask is that you give Talking Communities credit for providing this uh, space for uh, Blind Cool Tech and um, you know, and so that's just one example of the way George operated. And, and as f- I haven't been on it in a long time myself personally, but as far as I know, the uh, Blind Cool Tech chat room is, is still available. So, yeah. I mean, wh- you know, what a cool thing that is.
0: Back in, in the days when that first started, I can remember, and I've been in and out of, you know, a lot of chat rooms over the years, that chat room was really a, Held to a pretty high standard. I mean, and uh, I mean, you really are, are to be thanked for a lot of that because you did a lot of moderating of that. But uh, there were some really good discussions that went on at that time.
1: Yeah, I did a lot of moderating of it at first, and then I guess um, for a couple reasons decided to step back from that and let it kind of um, let let people do more what they wanted with it. But it did get off the ground and and get up and running it in 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 good ways and give. Give George a lot of credit for that, you know, for allowing it to happen. And I mean, so um, when you ask what he, what we can remember him for, or what he did, uh, there are probably about a million things we could mention like that.
0: So, what are some things he was still wanting to see? Do you know what his vision for the future was?
1: Well, I think he really wanted to, to see um, these online communities grow into something that that would be so commonplace or so comfortable for people that everyone would be going into a, a virtual g- coffee shop or a virtual classroom and, and learning information and that it would just be sort of a ubiquitous kind of part of our virtual lives you know and it, it, it may really wind up getting there someday as 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 people get more comfortable with it and as the technology improves i, I think that in, in a lot of ways um that that was a dream that 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 really was on target but george was probably 10 years ahead of his time yeah
0: it's interesting that some of those chat rooms don't get utilized as much. I mean, and I've noticed that as well, that more people don't seem to take advantage of the opportunity because it really is a great way to just really get to meet people and associate a voice with names that you've seen on mailing lists. And, you know, Twitter and mailing lists just doesn't quite do justice to actually getting to have a really good conversation with someone.
1: No, and I think um... – George was someone who realized that uh, especially people with disabilities um, a lot of times need a, a community a place where they can connect with people that are, are that they feel can feel safe with and it's not necessarily as easy for people who don't have uh, full access to to transportation and, and access to things in in their communities to to get out and, and do th- you know those social activities. I'm not saying it's not possible, but but online possibilities sure opened the door for a lot of people. And um, I, 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 if there's one thing I, I regret, I, I wish in some ways uh, I had worked a little harder to to help George um, with what he was trying to do. And, and and I did I did some things, and and I'm not you know feeling terribly guilty or anything but i but i um um uh, you don't realize until somebody's gone that uh, you know how much you miss them and how much you wish you could you, you had a chance to do more of it
0: yeah that that is so true uh, i i agree with that totally well i'd like to thank you for taking the time to visit with us on main menu it's uh, been very uh, interesting and i i appreciate your
1: insights into the life of this uh, this very special man well thank you for taking a little time to uh, talk about george and, and and think about what what he meant to all of us I'm really a, appreciative that uh, that you're you're willing to spend a little main menu time on that so um, I guess we can all just just uh, be grateful for uh, w- the man who was George Byth. Main, main Menu
2: Hi there, Main Menu listeners. This is Tim Cummings, and I'm here today to talk to you about a great free piece of software, totally free, called the Levelator. Now, what is the Levelator? The Levelator is a little piece of software that you can install on your computer, and it allows you to basically level out the audio in a file. Let's take an example. For example, let's say you've recorded a Skype panel discussion and some of uh, with three or four participants, and everybody has a different audio level, slightly different audio level. Some people aren't as loud as the others. You can run this file through the levelator, and it will even out those levels and put everyone at about the same level. Another example, let's say that you're recording in a live situation, say you're recording a presentation, and you've got the microphone up at the podium where the speaker is. And then there are there's audience participants in the back of the room who are asking questions. And when you go and play the recording back, you discover that obviously the people in the back of the room weren't heard as well as the person who's giving the presentation because they're in the back of the room and there's only one microphone. In the old days, when you'd be going through the recording afterwards, you'd have to do a lot of post-production work in either Soundforge or Gold Wave or whatever you you're using, going through and boosting all those individual levels. But with a levelator, it's very easy to do. Let me give you some samples and then I will tell you where you can get the level later. So the first sample that I'm going to play for you is a uh, sample from the Cooking in the Dark show which I produce. This is the original audio sample and if you listen to this you'll notice that Cheryl Cummings' voice is much lower than Dale Campbell's voice because I didn't have the uh, levels set quite correct when I was doing the original recording. So let me play the initial sample here and you can hear how it sounds. Welcome back to
4: our Cooking in the Dark breakfast show, sausage, bacon, and that
3: mystery
2: dish. All right, we'll let y'all know. What What we're going to do is you're going to need a pound of pork sausage. Imagine that, huh? (laughs) You're going to need a little flour, a little milk, maybe a little salt and pepper. Now, that's sample one. Now, this is sample uh, two. And this is the same file after I ran it through the levelator.
4: Welcome back to our Cooking in the Dark breakfast show. Sausage, bacon, and that mystery dish.
2: All right, we'll let you all know. What What we're going to do is you're going to need a pound of pork sausage. Imagine that, huh? (laughs) You're going to need a little flour, a little milk, maybe a little salt and pepper. And you notice that the levelator brought her her voice way up to be even with uh, Dale Campbell's voice. Here's even a more dramatic sample for you. This is a situation where you had a speaker. This was a conference. You had a speaker in the front of the room. And then you had people in the audience making comments or asking questions. So let me play this original sample from this uh, presentation. Jerry Berry, who just moved the previous question. No, didn't. Yes, he called for a vote. So that's that's a move for the previous question. Well no well if you want to make a motion, Jerry, it has to be in the form of a motion. Right, I don't want to make a motion. Move the previous question, or you can generally say a general suggestion like that. But right. that was a general suggestion does not have the power of a motion. Let me play you sample two. This is the same file after it was run through the levelator. Jerry Berrier just moved the previous question. No we didn't. No. Yes, he called for a vote, so that's that's a move for the previous question.
1: That's
2: not the same place. I called for a vote on tabling this or something. Right. Well, no, well. If you want to make a motion, Jerry, it has to be in the form of a motion. Right, I don't want, want to make
3: a motion. Move the previous question, or you can generally say a general suggestion like that. But right. that was a and
2: general suggestion. suggestion does not have the power of a motion. And you can tell it's quite a dramatic difference, all done by this little piece of software, the Levelator, which would have taken hours to do if you were doing that manually. Now, let me describe to you how the levelator works once you get it first of all let me tell you where you can uh, get the levelator if you go to http colon slash slash www.conversationsnetwork.org slash levelator l-e-v-e-l-a-t-o-r you can download and install the levelator it's very easy um the latest version at at this recording is 2.1.1 and the levelator is available for uh, windows for Macintosh, so Mac users, and for Linux, all three platforms. And what you do is you install the program, and this works with either WAV files or AIF files, does not work with MP3 files. So once you install the levelator, you go to the file that you want to modify, the audio file, and then you do a right click on that file, Right mouse click or in, in window eyes that would be a shift F10 and you will see a menu that says send to and you hit enter on that menu and one of the options is send to levelator and you hit enter on that and it will create a second file so if your original file is called test.wav your new file will be called test.output.wav that is the new file after it's been put through the levelator this software is meant to be used with spoken word material it does not uh, work well with music so you you shouldn't use it on music but for any audio material that is purely a voice or mostly voice it works very very well and does a very very nice job and it is completely free for main menu this is tim cummings happy levelating <laughs>
0: I was reading email the other day, and I came across a message from a gentleman named Harry Brown. Now, Harry suggested that it might be possible in the future for blind people to operate a motor vehicle, and he was involved in a project that was working on that. He wanted to know if I would be interested in talking with him, and of course I was interested in learning about what Harry had to say, so we set up a time for an interview. I caught up with Harry out in California, and we begin our interview by my asking him what he was doing out there, and I think you'll find that interesting as well. So here is my rather thought-provoking interview with
3: Harry Brown. What I uh, did was I came out here to be a part of the Braille display, um, uh, yeah, I'll call it a seminar, Okay, uh, and... Uh, there are some different people working on new braille display technology in the future. Right now, it's in the lab. They're still working on it. If they can get this done and they can perfect it in the lab, um, you're going to see a lot cheaper braille displays uh, and possibly a full-page braille display, which would be under two thousand dollars. So, in, uh, you know, you would think that would be like eight to ten thousand or more, you know, with a full page this but you think it'd be you know, a lot even more than that, but uh, if they can perfect it in the lab, um, there are some great things coming for us
0: that's excellent now what kind of work do
3: you do? What I do is um, I do some computer consulting, but I also am involved in just future technology and also the uh, the big thing uh, that I'm involved in is transportation. Um, wow. As a blind person, uh, I have wanted, like many of us, I think, blind people to have more independence. And uh, since uh, 1998, when I got my first talking computer, I uh, decided that uh, I wanted to be involved in the transportation uh, side of things. And so I'm uh, working with the transportation industry and the federal government on something called an automated vehicle and road system. This system, if our tests go right and everything works out, uh, will be implemented in 2014. The government, uh, the national, particularly the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, (NHTSA), wants to implement this system in 2014. They can't do it any sooner than that, probably, uh, but if they can do it in 2014 and implement it, when it's implemented, um, it will eliminate uh, vehicle accidents, and um, it will let people that have no or that have disabilities or people that have no disabilities, it will drive for people. The vehicles will drive for the person. Uh, it's just incredible technology.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that you know, especially blind people have dreamed about and fantasized about for. Uh... Forever, but to, to think that it might actually be
3: possible is pretty, pretty amazing. The reason is uh, that we need the technology. Is because the problem is there's not there's so much traffic on the roads, and we can't build any more roads. We don't have the money to build any more roads. The federal government's basically broke, and state governments uh, have no money. Um, There's not one state in this country that has no debt. Every state is in debt right now, uh, California being the worst, but all of them are are in debt at least a billion dollars or more. And so they can't build any more roads. And not only can they not build roads because of a lack of funding, they they can't build roads because uh, there's no place to put more roads. (laughs) There's so much uh, sprawl going on, urban sprawl. Uh, that there's just no place to build roads. And so they have to find another solution to get more traffic through the same amount of road space that we have. And this automated technology is going to solve all of that and uh, because it will get the traffic through uh, faster. And also, um, you're not going to have bottlenecks. You're not going to have all kinds of things like that going on. And after we get it implemented... Um, My hope, and I'm not speaking for the committee now, I'm speaking for myself. Um, My hope is that we would increase the speed limit dramatically to about, uh, between cities to about, on our expressways, to about 250 miles an hour. Now, vehicles can drive uh, that speed. I mean, you see race vehicles all all the time driving that speed, 250 miles an hour, Um, and someday... Uh, hopefully even faster than that. Hopefully we can get... uh, My dream is to, if I have anything to do with it, is to see if we can get an engine uh, to drive three times faster than a plane. Your average jet goes 500 uh, 500 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So if if we could get three times faster, you're talking 1,500 miles an hour, and, uh, you know, um, there you go. So that's... That's a real out-there dream, but uh, the first thing is is more closer to reality, and that's the automated uh, vehicle and road system. And that's what I've been working on since 1998.
0: Very good. So how did you get involved with this committee that you mentioned?
3: Well, I uh, have been involved with um, ITS America, the Intelligent Transportation Society of America. I'm not a member of it, but I have followed them. Uh, because they're the ones that really started working with this stuff back in the 90s, along with people at uh, CalPath uh, like Steve Schleidover and others out here in California that have been working on the automated systems. They even had uh, these platoons. you probably heard, maybe some of the people listening probably heard uh, about these platoons, uh, these cars going one behind the other down I-10, or I-15, I mean, out here in California. They they tried this system for a couple miles just to see if it would work. And it did, and they platooned uh, a vehicle, followed a vehicle, and another vehicle followed that one. And uh, so I got involved uh, with them, and I was on the website just reading my usual stuff that I was reading on the uh, It's America website, uh, www.itsa.org. And it mentioned an IntelliDrive group. Well, IntelliDrive is the group that is uh working now on this automated vehicle and road system. Well, they had a meeting in Detroit in October. Well, I'm 70 miles from Detroit. So, uh and it was free. It wasn't uh, no cost to go, so I said I'm going to go. I'm going. And uh so I went down to Detroit uh, the end of October, and um, on the 28th I walked in and uh, in the morning to the meeting, and uh, uh, they, were, they were blown away. They didn't know a blind person would even be interested in this kind of stuff. But I showed up and uh, had some input into what was going on, and so I'm part of the group now, and I've been uh, working with them and staying informed and uh, just uh, putting my input in where I can put it in. And they didn't even know that we were even interested in this technology. But uh, I said, be assured. I told them, be assured. There's a lot of us out here that are very interested. I, I look at it with the same analogy that talking book players and talking books, I should say, uh, was. If it wasn't for us leading that technology in in the talking book world, um, you wouldn't have it as mainstream technology. Now, today, it's mainstream. You know, It started with us, and uh, we're... Now everybody's using talking books on, on CDs or what have you. So um, hopefully we can lead this, this revolution as well.
0: Great. So, I mean, have you actually gotten to look at some prototypes or actually ridden any vehicles yet, or has it, has it gotten that far?
3: I have not um, got to do that yet. I'm hoping to. Uh, they are testing uh, the technology in California, uh, they are also testing it um, at Ford and GM. Uh, you're even seeing pieces of it now uh, on your 2010 vehicles. Uh, you have the, of course, you've had the GPS in the vehicles for some time now with OnStar, etc. cetera. And uh, so GPS is getting more and more uh, ubiquitous, meaning everywhere now, uh, even built into vehicles. And uh, you're seeing maps, of course, the navigation maps are in there and, Onboard navigation, what they call it, onboard built-in. Um, so now they're just putting more and more pieces in. Now they have something called active cruise control, which is uh, also called ACC, and our um, and it's not a passive thing like uh, it used to be, where you hit the button and you're cruising at 70 or whatever. This is an active system which um, uses a radar on the vehicle and sensors. Um, to spot the vehicle in front of it. And if the vehicle in front of it slows down, it slows down. Um, So you're already seeing pieces of the automation on the 2010s. Uh, 2010 Ford Taurus has it, um, some of the other Fords and uh, vehicles and Cadillacs, et cetera. But definitely the Ford Taurus I know has it. And um, so it's just going to be getting more and more and more uh, automation as it uh, progresses. And I look forward to seeing what's going to be the, on the 11s and 12s. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more automation now. Even the one of the 2010 vehicles, uh, the Lincoln, um, I think it's the MKT. I'm not sure about that. But it parks itself amazingly. It, mm. it parks itself in a parking lot. Wow. <laughs> so they're testing this stuff, um, the, the stuff that's not here yet. They're testing it at Ford and uh, GM and they're also testing it out uh um they either either they are or they're going to be testing it at, at uh, MIS Michigan International Speedway where you have your where we have two stock car races uh, NASCAR races every year uh they also when they don't use it for racing they they'll test a lot of things out there at MIS so um it's a great time to be alive uh whether you're blind or not it's 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 a great time to be alive uh with technology, as you know, being Absolutely. in technology yourself, yeah, um, it's that's fantastic.
0: True. So, kind of let your mind uh, go for the listeners just for a minute, and just kind of give us your scenario of how a blind person might take off and and go somewhere in the
3: future. What you're going to see is, uh, well, in these vehicles. Um, if you're talking about... Are you talking these kind of vehicles or even further than that?
0: Uh, even further down the road than what we have right now, just kind of your your ultimate dream, I guess, suppose.
3: The ultimate for me would be uh, the vehicle... Well, I'll give you two scenarios. I'll give you two scenarios. Okay. One is closer than the other is going to be. First, like I said, when we get it in 2014... Um, what's going to happen is you're going to get in a vehicle. Uh, it will ask you, where would you like to go? Now, it's going to know where you're parked. It's going to know you're parked in your driveway, at your house or apartment or whatever. It'll know what city and state you're in. And it's going to say, well, where would you like to go? And you'll tell it, well, I'd like to go to uh, uh, Los Angeles, California. And they'll say, we're in Los Angeles. And you'll tell it what street. And then they'll ask you, what, uh, what address would you like to go to? and you'll tell it the address. And it will say, please sit back and enjoy the ride. Your trip will take so many hours and so many minutes, whatever that will be. Um, It'll tell you. And um, you'll just, uh, the vehicle will drive you there. Mm -hmm. It'll drive you to the exact address and uh, pull up out there and uh, park itself, and you'll be there. That's the the, uh, near scenario. The way out there scenario would be Um, and I'd say, you know, maybe 20 years, 20, 25 years, um, as far as, uh, this would be the speed, uh, increase that I was talking about. I would love to see, um, the vehicle, uh, it would be nice to see these vehicles pass planes in popularity, Uh, Right now, a lot of people like to fly because you get there faster. Well, when you're going 500 miles an hour, you're going to get there faster than a vehicle. Much faster. Uh, But this would be where you would uh, get in the vehicle. Same kind of procedure. uh, But what will happen is when you get on the expressway, this vehicle will be accelerated to about 1,500 miles an hour. And... So what you would do is, for example, right now on a plane, it takes to go from Detroit to Chicago, it takes about an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would uh, get there in about 15 minutes if you're going at that speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, when it would get into the uh, to the exit, when it gets near the exit, that vehicle would be decelerated, uh, slowed down, of course, quite a few miles out before it reaches the exit, and it wouldn't have to be. Slow down, and then it will be. Um, it will get off at that exit, um, wherever in whatever town you're going to. It'll get off at that exit, and uh, you'll uh, get back to normal road, local driving, local speed limits. And uh, so that's where I see it going. Um, and I, I'm going to continue to be involved. Uh, I hope to be involved with it for the rest of my life. The key is just for all of us just to be involved. If it interests you. Um, Listeners out there, if it interests people then be involved in the process and uh, and make your voices heard
0: absolutely now in my mind i'm I'm thinking if if uh if the technology fails or if it you know kind of gets a little flaky on you, a sighted person is probably going to be able to manually override that system I'm assuming
3: well they might um but I don't think you're going to see it implemented anyway till it's ultimately safe, until it's until it's problem free.
0: Would you see the accessibility standpoint of that being built in from the ground up, or would that be something that would need to be tacked on?
3: No, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be built in uh, from the ground up. And uh, and one way that is the case is for us to be involved, as we are as blind people and everything else sure. with technology and just speak up and say, hey, don't forget about us. The other thing I want to say is uh, I've been asked, well, how are the vehicles going to talk to each other? Uh, One of the things they're doing is on um, something called Here I Am. Here I Am is using the um, 5.9 gigahertz uh, band. That's what they hope to use it on. Um, And These vehicles, what they would do is it's – and they tried it already in California, and it worked very well. Um, The vehicle – and let's say you've got 20 vehicles or 30 vehicles on the expressway. um, And uh, 15 of them are going uh, east, for example, on the east-west. The other 15 are going west. Um, The vehicles will talk to each other via – radio frequency we won't understand them but they will talk to each other and it will say here i am uh, i'm uh, a foot in front of you i'm slowing down or um, here i am i'm making a turn you know to go on to this other road here uh, i'm to your right or i'm to your left i'm turning now uh, and the vehicle will slow down Uh, behind it, or it will make way for the vehicle in front of it to make a turn. So you will get rid of those accidents that happen so often where people have blind spots and they can't see the vehicle in front of them, and uh, you have these accidents happen all the time at intersections. That will be gone. That will be permanently gone. So the here-I-am kind of testing is going on um, as we speak. Um, It's happening on different parts of the country. Uh, Federal Department of Transportation, I mean, U.S. DOT, is working on that uh, as well. So um, that's the big part of how this is going to work, how these vehicles are going to talk to each other uh, using the Here I Am kind of a
0: system. Do you have some contact information that people could actually talk to you directly? If you
3: Absolutely. Um, if you want to uh, email me, uh, you can do that. It's... Uh, WD as in Willie Delta the number 8 the letters OEP as in Oscar Echo Papa 2464 at S as in Sierra BC Global G-L-O-B-A-L dot net
0: That concludes this edition of Main Menu we trust you've enjoyed the program On behalf of the entire main menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.